Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dadcore Cinema Club. The celebration of the cable classic, the middlebrow masterpiece, the movies that never stop uh, bringing you back to the faith, the church of baseball. Uh, I am your host as always, Brandon. With me as always is your other host as always. Charlie. It's Charlie. Uh, if you listened last week, you would have heard us with our guest. We were talking about the untouchables with those good old boys from My Rifle, My Podcast, and me. Go back and listen to it if you have not. It's a great little cause. This week, we're talking about another Costner movie. We're talking about Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Baseball. baseball. Whew. Feeling good about this game. I do love baseball. Big, big baseball guy. I think baseball is like the most cinematic sport. That's not a controversial statement. It's definitely the most filmed sport, I would think. Like, I don't know if it's here. the most inherently cinematic or just that it feels that way because there are more baseball movies than like any other American sport movies. There's more time to talk, I think. Yeah, you get to hang out a lot while you're playing. The big advantage, like a football movie, it's not like, you know... You don't get a lot of oh hey uh, I'm I'm calling a, a, a the next pitch and the guy's not you know listen to me. yeah there's a bunch of people smacking you <laughs> because it's not a sport it's a pastime America's pastime you're just moving the minutes along out there and sometimes baseball is you know it's about fucking as much as it's about <laughs> baseball it's about throwing catching fucking and sucking. I had never seen this movie, and I thought this movie was about baseball. Yeah, kind of. what I knew about this movie was it was about baseball. It was about Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon, and I thought, oh, they're going to have like a sweet romance in the game, and they're going to win or something. And then I watched it today, and it's not really about them playing baseball or like a sweet romance it's about how much susan sarandon's character likes to get down she does god bless her this i movie, mean she also loves baseball yeah to be fair but i did not realize this was going to be well i didn't realize it was rated r before i turned it on and i did not realize it was going to be like a raunchy rated r sex comedy as much as it is a it is a uh, a baseball movie yeah see i had like a a weird experience watching this one uh for the show because uh i like the show the show the podcast you went to the show no 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 well yeah i i spent 21 days in the show but i don't i don't like to get into that but uh yeah my I, my mom really likes this movie uh this is like one of her faves uh but like as a kid i remember watching it and thinking that it was like so much sex that I was actually surprised watching it this time. There's like no nudity. Like I remember as a kid, I guess it, my mind just like extrapolated. I was expecting like a lot of uh, like graphic sex in the movie, which there isn't really. No, there's, there's like no graphic sex scenes. There's implied sex, especially in like the, like a sequence of like 10 minutes straight of fucking at the end of the movie yeah but i mean it's not like explicit it's it's not that but like i did not expect it to be so much about how much not susan sarandon like 
dating guys, but how much she likes to specifically have sex with the young, young uh, baseball stars. Yeah, it's not. It's explicit in its in the language. Like people are just constantly, mm. frankly, talking about having sex, and the impact that having sex has on the game. Yeah, a lot. Well, I mean, it opens up strictly about baseball. She has like mm-hmm. this opening monologue about like the fucking romance of baseball, and I it's, believe in the church of baseball is what she said. It's. And there's a bunch of, like, old-timey photos being played in montage. The opening, like, 30 seconds of this movie are pretty indistinguishable from Ken Burns' baseball. <laughs> it's just a montage of black and white photos and someone, like, waxing uh, poetic about America's game. But then she also immediately gets into uh, how she picks one guy a year to uh, to help him out. Yeah, she she talks like it's like half her speech is about baseball and the love of baseball and how baseball is like a religion to her. She tried every religion, but the baseball is the one that worked for her. And then she's like, it's also baseball is also like sex. And then she starts talking about sex. Yeah, I like her. Uh, her standard her standards are uh, very old fashioned. She won't sleep with a guy batting under 250 unless he's got a good glove in the infield, which like. You got to think that today's Susan Sarandon is more into advanced analytics like uh she's big into OPS plus and WOBA and wins above replacement she's not just uh you know having sex with the guy putting up big uh hitting numbers but not helping the team yeah we get the modern version of this movie it's like a spinoff of Moneyball yeah she's moneyballing all these guys you can moneyball my wife And why do we have sex with him? Because he gets on base. But yeah, really, the movie's about a love triangle between her, Tim Robbins, Kevin Costner. And Tim Robbins, who is only, I think, four years younger than Kevin Costner, but looks like the sweetest little baby in the world in this movie. Yeah, he looks and acts like an eight-foot-tall 12-year-old boy. It it is wild, because watching the movie... I know intellectually how old Costner and Robbins are today, so I know that they're really close in age. But watching this movie, if I did not know how old they were, I would have guessed that they were like 10 years apart. Like, because Costner's playing the like cynical, like near retirement ball player, and Robbins is playing the dumb young guy. And also, like, the Robbins Sarandon relationship, like, you know, in real life that they were together for like. 30 something years but in the movie she's like a cougar like Mm -hmm. preying on this young young boy and yeah the movie she's like your mentor figure but like the sexy mentor figure Mm, yeah sexy teacher yeah she's the sexy you do uh, you see uh, you see tim robbins ass before you even see his face the movie knows where the money is in baseball he's having sex in the locker room Five minutes before the game. But not with just anybody. With Millie. Yeah, with Millie. She's not just some some chick. It's Millie. She's like Sarandon's protege. <laughs> yeah. She's not as picky as Sarandon, though. She she doesn't pick one guy. Yeah, well, she hasn't she's gotta learn also. She's a free spirit. Ways. Her dad owns like the team or the stadium or something. Yeah, he donated a lot of money to the stadium, so she's allowed to have like half her fun and no one can kick her out. <laughs> She seems cool. She does seem cool. 
Tim Robbins doesn't seem very cool. He seems like a dickhead mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. I, he plays such a funny idiot the whole movie. He's this guy with a rocket for an arm, but can't aim it because he's too stupid to play. Yeah, good ball. he's got a really great like arc throughout the movie too, where he's like he starts out as an idiot. He doesn't ever really like get any smarter. He just learns that he's an idiot and he should do what other people tell tell him to do. He learns to stop thinking because he's not good at it, basically. Yeah. Everyone's like, you you sweet summer child, you are so stupid. You need to just throw that ball hard. The mo- Yeah, the moment he gets good at playing balls, he's like, uh, Susan Sarandon, my, my mom I have sex with, told me to listen to you. <laughs> well, yeah, so in the movie, he's he's young, he's a rookie. It's They're playing single-A ball, and they demote old man kevin costner who's a catcher to uh coach him up and get him ready for the big leagues which is kind of funny because like last week we talked about the untouchables and how like young and green uh kevin costner is in that movie kind of baby-faced this is like a year or two later he's already moved on to playing the grizzled vet he fit yeah he had a quick he just shot right through man he learned how to do it He's like, he's like, I got the baby face stuff I'm done with. I'm I'm 33 now. I'm an adult in movies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done being the young guy. I'm in charge now. Like the role he plays in Bull Durham is like the role that a, a late 30s, like 40 year old star plays. But he's nailed, like he feels way older than he is in this movie. Well, yeah, it feels true to because like. Guys start playing minor league baseball when they're like 18 years old. Mm. So like it feels true to like a a very very weathered minor league baseball player would be like 32 years old but in terms of the age of like him in real life the kind of role that his uh like an actor plays it feels like an older role oh yeah for sure he feels like uh he he feels like in this movie like he's the same age as sarandon but sarandon's actually the oldest of that triangle yeah he's like seven years older than costner i think something like that this is like such a good it's like a real sweet spot age to like make this whole story work because like he's old enough that you believe that he's like been kind of ground down by this baseball life, but young enough that like there's still an entire like life after, after baseball for him. He's not like an old man. He's just at the end of like the beginning of his life. What it feels like to me, and, and this is just because my favorite baseball movie is this one, a uh, major league. Uh, like the Tom Berenger role, like Tom Berenger plays the lead in major league at 40. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, here is Costner playing kind of the same type of character at uh, 33 and, and hitting out of the park. Like he, uh, oh, it's like baseball. Yeah. Um, setting the record for hitting it out of the park, setting the record for hitting out of the park uh, at 30, 33. It, it just, it's interesting. Like you said, like he, he elevates to wizened role. Basically, two years into the after becoming like a, a major star yeah i think uh, setting it in the minors is such a good choice too because like you get like a younger still like very hot prime of his hotness guy that gets to like take on that uh you know wizened weathered role but uh yeah they they uh at a bar they meet susan sarandon she says she wants to sleep with both of them and they like get in each other's faces 
she's like oh are you boys gonna fight over little old me and they take one look at her and they're like yes mm-hmm. yes we are <laughs> why, why wouldn't you it, it is susan sarandon i would kill someone for a night with susan sarandon i i, I like in that scene too how they set costner apart how they set him up is the the older ball player who's there at the bar with sarandon uh says that Costner's character said he's 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 really different. I actually saw him read a book without pictures once. Like his character trait is not just that he's old and wizened; it's also that he like he has a brain. Yeah, he's. I mean, this is another like a a perfect recipe for me for liking a movie. Like going back to Days and Confused, if you get the the soulful jock, if the spirit of your movie is a soulful jock, I'm there for that. But this time it's not a philosophical jock. It's like a jock poet. Yeah, it's, a, it's they... a jock who has opinions on Susan Sontag. Yeah, it's like Costner and Sarandon in this are each like foils of this like traditional fantasy that the opposite gender might have. Like Sarandon is like this gorgeous woman who you know, goes to the fucking batting cages in a skirt and like knows everything about baseball and loves knows music. more about baseball than the guys who play it. Cause she yeah. watches every season. And then Costner's like the strong hunky baseball man, but he's also like into reading and he's smart. And yeah, it's, it's very funny. It really works on me. And they have perfect chemistry. Like those two characters, those two actors. Yeah. I mean, like, they have such incredible chemistry and Tim Robbins reads as such a child that like it never feels like a love triangle where you're guessing throughout the movie like how it's going to end up. Mm-hmm. Like you know completely the whole time that like Costner and Sarandon are going to end up together and like she's going to, you know, do her thing with Tim Robbins, but he's not like he's not the final guy. He he's clearly just one part of their journey, and, and the only mystery is when when does his arc end, and when do yeah. when do those two, you know, lovebirds get together? It's good. It like really adds like a little sweet sadness that like, I mean, it's what the whole movie is about. That this like dumb talented guy is just rocketing towards success, while these two like sweet older people are just kind of. Sp- paddling so hard against the current of their life I mean, that's the story of, of and like you said it's a beautiful really smart that it said it minor league because that's like that's the story of minor league ball right yeah you're, you are either the guy who rockets out of there immediately or you're stuck there 12 years in and while you that might be a career it is also a short one that ends when you're like 33 and is like bittersweet because I mean, no one enters minor league ball to stay at minor league ball for 12 years. Yeah. So there's, there's like, there's a built in bitter sweetness to that inherent to like the setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get the, the like push pull between Costner and Tim Robbins of like a guy that is good at baseball and is using it to like, you know, get his Porsche or whatever and make it to the show. And then you have the guy that like deeply loves and respects the game of baseball so much that he's doing it like in shithole nowhere for over a decade yeah they're because like their their main conflict is is written up in in is summarized in when costner says you don't respect yourself and that's your problem 
but you don't respect the game and that's my problem yeah i mean we we kind of joked that the movie isn't like as much about baseball as it is about like sex and their relationships but the movie loves baseball it does like it is so reverent of baseball it's just it's baseball as an element of these characters lives and not baseball the competition right because this movie the idea that the team is successful burns throughout the movie like their success the of the season but it's not like how well they're doing is the end point of the movie the team itself is not the point of the movie the season itself is not the point of the movie it's these three characters and how that season impacts them right what's what's more important than like the game as a structured season is the game uh as in the career of tim robinson and his like rocket to the top and and you know how it how um you know uh costner's career is affected more like it's more about the individual i guess what i'm saying is it's about the players and the fans it's not about like the game as its own dramatic structure right yeah i mean which is cool for a sports movie because mm-hmm. you, you don't get the like cliched winning the big game at the last minute because it yeah, it, it cares about baseball in the small details and in the big abstract way more than it does about like mm-hmm. like using the structure of a game for dramatic reasons. It's baseball the like spiritual element of someone's life uh, and not baseball the like physical event you go to. Yeah, I think it's really good too about all the all the little things. It feels like a very lived in played in the world that they're all in like all the little details about the guy like doing voodoo magic on his bat and like how superstitious they are about like having sex around games what is with voodoo and baseball in the 80s by the way at i mean superstition and baseball is just like a big but big voodoo thing. specific because like voodoo is in like major league too yeah what's with the like we have a player on the team that does voodoo specifically I think that might actually be with like the big surge from like the eighties until now of uh like non American players into the majors. I would not be surprised if there was like a latent fear of like Hispanic people driving that kind of thing. That's movies. what I was thinking, because every time I watch Major League, every single time it's my favorite baseball movie, I watch it once a year. Like whenever it's World Series time. Uh, I'm like gotta watch my uh cleveland guardians movie um (laughs) i but every time i watch it i'm like is the voodoo is the voodoo thing racist i'm not sure someone tell me actually don't (laughs) don't i don't want to know i'm like i need to i'm like it always bothers you i'm like like, this feels like it's probably racist and i don't know enough to say because it does feel like it always feels when i see this and like and when i saw it in this movie i had the same feeling when i see it in major league i'm like is this like fear of people with like non-christian religions coming into the game is this like and, and if not like explicit and written on purpose implicit in in the writing of the character to begin with yeah i think there definitely is some of that but i think it's more just goofing on the like mm. whacked out superstitious nature of baseball players in particular yeah, i but think like what, yeah, yeah going to that well is racially charged for sure it is i just can never tell what side the movies end up this one i think is a little bit better maybe than major league on it because i like the 
the one dude being like, hey, please bless my bat. Like it, it becomes this thing of like, well, maybe it works. It, it ties, like you said, it ties into that greater superstition around baseball, which everyone gets superstitious around sports in general. And just like how desperate they all are mm-hmm. to like Im- marginally improve. Because like Costner says at the end, he like gives off his whole spiel about like the difference between hitting 250 and 300 mm-hmm. and like getting one extra flare a month or whatever can be the difference between yeah, it's like one you, extra flare a week a, a week sorry uh, yeah like being a pro or not and like how much of it is just like dumb luck and how he ain't got none of it i love how like jaded and mean he is in the movie too it's it's incredible it's so different than like untouchables which we just talked about where like this is costner at just in the pits as his character like this this character is mean his character is a big old jerk to everyone around him in in ways that are sometimes intended to help and oftentimes not yeah it's just just that he's like so he's so principled and his principles have gotten him nowhere for so long but he's just like sunk cost will will not give up on them for any reason there's a part where he's like going up to a bat in a game and the bat boy is like get a hit crash and he's like shut up (laughs) to the little bat boy (laughs) so funny yeah he like just comes in immediately fucking hates tim robbins Mm -hmm. hates like being there he hates uh susan sarandon the second she starts trying to like talk about uh quantum physics or like her her like a new age philosophy of the world yeah man when they meet up in in her place uh it's him tim robbins and and susan sarandon obviously because she asked them both to go back to her place and they both think well we're gonna you know three of us Mm -hmm." and she's like no i'm just picking i'm recruiting which of you is going to be my boyfriend for the season yeah and she starts talking about like quantum physics and like how important what her choice of a guy is because no one she picks like everyone she picks has the best game of the, the their their life the best season of their life and blah 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 and costner gets so like fed up with her like new age philosophy that he just leaves yeah and he, gives and he gets her, like, to rattle off speech. his like really sick speech i love it <laughs> he's like well i believe in the soul no she asked him what he believes in because he doesn't believe in quantum physics and matters of the heart and he's like, "Why well, believe in the soul, the cock, the pussy, the smell of a woman's back, the hanging, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap? I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be constitutional amendment outlawing astroturf on the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses the last three days." Yeah. When he said that, I stood up and cheered. I saluted yeah! my television. <laughs> yes! I, too, believe in the soul. The it's God so funny, crazy. too, because he, like, rattles that off, and it does feel, like, very cool and triumphant, but then he just leaves, and Tim Robbins mm-hmm. gets laid. <laughs> no, no, he, no, Tim Robbins gets tied to a bed. Oh, right, he doesn't And read poetry, yeah, which is true. maybe better than getting laid. Uh... <laughs> he seemed to have a good time when he came into work he was very day. tired the next morning <laughs> he walks in like hungover basically he's wearing sunglasses yeah he's up all night getting poetry read to him 
I actually wouldn't want to get read poetry all night, if I'm being Me honest. Me neither. Uh, but that speech is so cool. It's just out of nowhere. And it's it's his big announcement of like, I'm smart. I know who Susan Sontag is. Yeah. It all, he's like had that loaded up in his brain for years. I, I love that it's a mix of like I smart guy stuff, but also like the smell of a woman's back. Sorry, the, the smell of a woman's pussy. back. I keep saying I, I misread it as smell. Um, great. I believe in the cock, the pussy, and the hanging curveball, baby. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Putting that on my Tinder profile. Man, oh, putting his whole speech on a dating profile would be incredibly funny. It would. It'd be incredibly <laughs> funny on a gay dating profile. It's like, yeah, I, I believe in the pussy. It would come, please swipe right on me. I believe in it. I believe it exists. Yeah. Prove me wrong. It's not like Santa Claus. Mess- hey, you know what? Message me first. Prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I... I've been openly like not super high on Costner, but I think this movie finally finally turned me on him. Like it really, there was one that that moment I was like, hell yeah, he's crushing this. Mm-hmm. But there was one other very specific moment where him and uh him and Susan Sarandon are in the batting cage, and he takes a bat from him from her, and he's standing there not looking, turns around and hits the ball as it's coming yeah. with one hand as he's talking to her, and I was like holy shit what that is like one of the coolest scenes (laughs) he's ever done i i was thinking about because this movie it's very it's it's very in the wheelhouse of this podcast it's a very journeyman direction there's not a lot of moments in this film that like strike me visually or with their blocking or anything but that moment is like incredible i just love because they're they're talking in the batting cages while they're talking like a ball goes between them yeah, that's like there. really well staged. That's like, the really... moment where I went, oh, fuck. It's like where the ball goes between them. I'm like, shit, this is fucking awesome. And then she walks away and then he hits the next one and he continues delivering his dialogue to her uh, in this back and forth. It's the will they, won't they? He's like, why are you even here with me if we're not going to date? Well, he's talking about fucking, actually. If we're not going to fuck, why are we talking? And all the while he's hitting ball after ball. Yeah. Yeah, like... Yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the movie is just like very perfunctorily shown, and like it all looks good. I want to be clear, but it's like yeah, for sure. But the when they're talking to each other with a baseballs like flying in between is like a very. It seems very like on the nose of them talking with baseballs literally like in between them, but in the moment it like works really really well, Mm -hmm. and it like makes a dialogue scene really exciting like and it ties feeling. their relationship to the baseball in a very very literal very obvious sense but yeah it's a very nice staging it i feel like it really opened up to me too where like i kind of think of costner as being like i mean he is like an everyman like that's his whole his whole deal but like during that i was like damn he's just like really casually and naturally athletic mm-hmm. like i would believe that he was a minor league baseball player like not it looks completely natural everything mm-hmm. he's doing like sports wise so much of him in every performance in in, in all three of the movies we talked about him so far is very physical uh in the sense that like he has a physical presence that is elevating the roles he's in uh, whether that's just as Elliot Ness that he just looks the part really well, and this in like open range, where like you immediately buy like, oh, he's the guy. 
I can see him in any shot of these movies, the open range and Bull Durham. And I'm like, oh, he's the guy that he's supposed to be. Like, he looks like a minor league player. He looks like a Westerner guy. Um, he just has that. It, it's an everyman presence, but it's it's a specific, like you said, athletic everyman presence that just like exudes just from his being on screen. Yeah, he's got like a, a real like swagger. Mm-hmm. He's just like, even though like really his character is just kind of like a loser. An asshole. Yeah, but he's like so confident and so so nice with it he's so cool with it from from minute one he he's like acting like he's too good to be there well he did get demoted from double a yeah he is too good to be there and yet like you you buy that he's too good to be there the whole time like you buy it you're like oh no this guy's too smart to be with this team yeah he's like the only one that knows what's going on Mm -hmm. the script to this movie is so good like I mean, like structurally it works really well but just like the dialogue of it is so nice like it it has like a very movie quality where like everyone's saying the exact right thing at the right time but it just it really play i guess it's the performances it just comes off as so casual it really like plays really well yeah like it's also um i mean maybe players talk like this to each other i'm not a player but uh Costner's so easily able to sell a line like don't do strikeouts strikeouts are fascist strikeouts are fascist is such a good line it's such a good line it's 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 ground balls are more democratic it's really embellished uh it's a very like big version of a like listen to me do the thing i'm saying but it is such a catchy such a like memorable line and Costner delivers it in a way that makes it feel like something that his character would just naturally say as this like cynical caustic old dude yeah, I think it it helps it out a lot too that um it's all just like bouncing off of Tim Robbins' empty head. Mm-hmm. Like if there was a character standing there being like really odd and impressed by what he was saying, I think it would be kind of tacky and cheesy. But the fact that he's just like vapidly staring into nothing while he's like rattling off these cool lines makes it funny instead of annoying. And Robbins being like playing this like you said a vapid idiot uh, makes this um the lines are a lot of Costner's lines to him are condescending. Yeah. And that stuff comes off as really funny because it's all going to this like comedic foil. Yeah. And he is like very pompous. Like mm-hmm. you feel like he deserves that. Like you always, the movie wants you to always feel like Costner is right all the mm-hmm. time. Kind of is. I mean, he is. And we'll never know. Like, We'll never know if he was calling the wrong pitches because when Tim Robbins doesn't listen to him, he just tells the batter. <laughs> That's a great tactic. His, I love that he's like a. He, it's an extremely underhanded tactic of like, look, dude, if you're not going to listen to me, I am going to like lose us the game. So I mean, even worse than that, it's like the whole thrust of the movie is like what fine margins are all playing with, and like their lives are like hanging in the balance of this game, but also like just to teach you a little petty lesson i'm gonna put a fucking home run an earned run on your on your stat sheet Mm -hmm. like very possible that the fucking major league club that owns the team is because they don't watch the game so they're just like looking in the stats and they're like wow this guy keeps fucking giving up home runs maybe he needs some more time in the minors and it's funny because you know the the maybe more typical movie the lesson is 
he doesn't give the call away, but the guy hits the curveball. Oh, he's like, he, he, he throws the fastball, guy hits it out of the park, boom, naturally it, it goes, right? But instead, of, this movie doesn't let him ever, like, lose a pitch or get an earned run uh, on accident. It's like, yeah. no, I'm giving it away. I, I, have, I have undermined our game. Yeah. Because I'm an asshole. Listen also, to me uh, next time. This gets into a, a movie baseball thing where apparently, like, they have one pitcher that pitches every fucking game <laughs> whether or not they win or lose is based on their their one ace pitcher that pitches five nights a week it is the other thing that i love in sports movies where the way you get someone to be better at their job is to get them mad yeah where like coster's just like insulting him to the point that like he gets so mad that he actually pitches good and it's like because he has stopped thinking you were mad at me yeah and that like the one main character playing good means the rest of the team also starts playing good. Mm-hmm. They you, all were, get a, you were one good pitcher away from a, a winning streak. Yeah, they all get a little a little stat boost. Also, the movie like never gives you the sense that anyone else on the team has like any hope of progressing up through the leagues. They're all yeah. just kind of there. Yeah, they kind of don't have characters other than our our main trio. Well, there's the one, the Christian guy. Yeah. That's about it. And he doesn't really have much of a character. He has a little bit of a story. Yeah. But he's, he's not guy. like a three-dimensional person. Yeah. the I, I do love the two coaches. Mm-hmm. Who are doing like a goofball straight man comedy routine for the whole movie. Yeah, the, the comedy one, I can't remember the actor's name. He's wonderful and everything. He's in Batman. He's yeah, like Robert a reporter. And He's the, great in Batman. The main coach is the Raising Arizona guy that they steal the baby from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both really, really good and doing a lot here. <laughs> a lot of a lot of good bits. I really like the way all of the the baseball stuff is shot too. Like there's a lot of shots of tim robbins pitching where it's over the shoulder and you get like his whole motion and the pitch being a like swing and a strike all in one Mm -hmm. shot which is really nice there's something in in sports movies where you can tell when the director loves the game yeah and is shooting it as someone who understands the game and knows how to like make it look good and knows what's like to love about it and i think you can tell that here that 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 was obvious to me opening of the movie after Sarandon's whole monologue when it shows the stadium for the first time and you like go through the gates and it goes into the stadium and it's like it's like a big reveal of this place full of people that are just having fun the the clown dudes dancing out in the field and it's that like great <laughs> it, it to me is like open it's like a the the one shot in boogie nights or the one shot in yeah. goodfellas the like i'm revealing the scene and opening you up to this world right from the gate here is my love of this world its characters the setting and how like lively it is and can be all at once mm-hmm. for you to set it up for you before i start looking at bits and pieces of it yeah it really gets you in the in the mode of like oh even if i don't care for like the story that's going on like I I like the world that I'm in. But throughout the throughout the season Crash and uh 
Man, what is Sarandon's character's name? I don't actually know. I've gotten too too into the the dad mode of just calling every character the actor's name. That's our that's one of our things on this podcast. I've tried to like learn character names. I'm just always going to be bad at it. I always was like, hey, it's Susan Sarandon. It's Annie. I, think that's I just looked it up. Fine to do. Oh yeah, Annie. I knew that because uh, doing a little a little research, um, the writer director of this movie did play in the minors for a while, and apparently like. Annie was just what they called the like women that they slept with on the road. Okay. They were Annie's. So you said the director played minor league. Yes. That did. makes so much sense to me for this movie. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that when I was saying it's filmed like a guy who loves the sport. Cause that now oh, that's yeah. like, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, of course this guy played. He knows exactly how to shoot it. Yeah. He played in the minors and the like, all the extras and minor actors were minor league baseball players. Like everyone involved in the movie was involved in the game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he originally just wrote like a little story about the pitcher and the catcher that th- he then thought would be more interested if it was like narrated by a woman. And it just kind of spiraled out from there. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. Like, because of what it became, which is almost like purely a sex and love story, started out as like only a baseball story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Annie, Annie and Crash do eventually make Tim Robbins throw a baseball over over the plate consistently with their magic tricks. What was the biggest magic trick of all? There was a you know align your leg chakra with your nut chakra. Breathe through your eyelids. Uh, listen stop to Crash. Sex. Yeah, stop having sex when he, you're on a winning. He went streak. to his Volcel era. <laughs> right, yeah. He he did the Seinfeld thing of if I don't have sex, I get smarter. Mm, he was protecting his precious bodily fluids. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sarandon was stealing his chakra in the bedroom, <laughs> and then she she finally stopped. Yeah, she acts like she knows baseball, but really she's a succubus. Feeding on his life force. What's really funny about that arc is him getting better at baseball and then her getting more desperate for sex as it goes on. (laughs) She's like pouting that she's not getting laid. It's so funny because she's the one that says she's the one that stopped having sex with him because she's like, we'll have sex when you lose because you're doing so well. I'm not going to upset the streak. And that's part of the superstition of he's afraid that if he has sex, he's going to break his streak. But then she starts to realize that she cares more about having sex than about him winning at baseball. Yeah. Ultimately, that's where the movie lands, uh, too. It sex is. more important. The sex is more important than the baseball. Yeah, you never fuck with a winning streak. Yep. Part of this movie is like understanding of baseball and the like Costner's character's understanding of baseball and respect of the game. I think is exemplified in his defense of himself to Annie when she gets mad at him because he told uh crash. She told, uh, he told nuke not to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't tell him not to have sex with you. I told him a player on a streak has to respect the streak. It's yeah. like, yeah, yes. The implication of that is that he would not have sex with you. But what I told him was respect the streak. Like, yeah. Respect, just... It's about respecting the game. It's not about you. Yeah. And like, well, he says, like, anything that you believe is helping you is helping you. 
do you think you're winning because you're not getting laid or because you have a lucky bet you are you're right yeah the there's like a runner going on too where like no one knows but crash is about to break the minor league record for career home runs but he doesn't want anyone to know about it yeah that's a really kind of like it goes back to what we were saying about the minor league itself as a setting being sort of this inherently like bittersweet like low level of fame to it where the only person who knows that he's about to break a record is Susan Sarandon's character, is, is Annie. Because she's the only one that follows minor league close enough to know this. <laughs> the typical minor league fan is not watching it as closely as she is, right? And even the league itself doesn't care enough to track the stats to the level that she is, apparently. It's this mm. kind of like, it, he's about to break this record. It is something that is like important to these two people but has zero importance to the greater world of sports. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of gets back to something I feel like we've talked about on different episodes of the podcast of, like, this dad ethic of just, like, going to your job and doing it well every day is, like, this huge heroic task, and, like, you are a hero for doing that. Mm -hmm. That, like setting this loser league record is like a big and honorable deal that you should like take pride in. And it's a note that I love. Cause I think it's so much more interesting when a sports movie is about, it's not about the team that like wins the league. It's about the team. That's like just getting by the like working man's league, the working man's team. That's the, that's the movie that I respect is like this team here. Major league, is this team here in Bull Durham where it's like, oh, like they get on a winning streak, but then they lose the winning streak and they don't like go anywhere. The team itself is not like ending this movie with great success. Well, right. yeah, and there's no like minor league world series. No. It doesn't really matter. No, and, and we're like my favorite sports movie is like Major League, which is it's not even hey like we won a, the everything right. They're they're not winning the World Series in Major League. They're like skating by as a loser team. It's like we didn't lose the most. <laughs> yeah. uh, though that to me, that is like the ideal sports movie to me is, is the like loser team gets by. Yeah. Yeah. I think it like colors the whole thing with another sadness too. that. Like when crash is saying that he he did make it to the major leagues for like three weeks one time mm -hmm. and got sent back down that like, it's not that he's like still striving for this unattainable goal. It's like he actually did get a taste of what it was like to be the best for like mm -hmm. a few days. And then he just got immediately chucked back down and back to grinding. Yeah. There's such a sadness to that scene. And at the same time, it's celebrated. It, it's this like that scene is, is a little emotionally complex like they're on the bus uh he's arguing with with nuke and nuke is like how do you what do you know like you've been in the minor leagues for 12 years and when he mentions crash mentions i was in the i went to the major leagues for 21 days everyone on the bus just like gets all hushed they're like whoa what and they're immediately impressed like he's a celebrity and mm -hmm. they start asking what it's like and he starts describing it you know uh guys you know they're all they're throwing these like pitches you can't even imagine um <laughs> And uh, the locker rooms are paved with gold. He's uh, 
Yeah, the, he starts with women's legs. They go forever. Um, <laughs> he's telling the story, and he's like a celebrity in that moment. And yet, like, the undercurrent of that story is I washed out after three weeks. Like, that undercurrent of that story is like, is like I failed. But that failure is still, like, celebrity at the level that I'm working right now. Yeah. Like, that you can make it and still, you know, toil away in obscurity. Like, even when you make it, you haven't made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sad. But it's it's like this greatness, too. Like, he's so happy that he had made it for that little bit that he did. Like, to him, it's like, I saw, he saw heaven, right? He saw the promised land for yeah. three weeks of his life. That is the highlight. He'll never reach it again. But, like, the fact that he saw it is, like, reaching greatness for him. Yeah, there's it's 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 a little bit it's like a textured moment, which is so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it comes on like, you know, Nuke being on like a hot streak just because he, you know, he's got he's got the million dollar arm. Five. He really, he doesn't he doesn't think about baseball as much or nearly in the same way as Costner does. The, the ultimate um, conflict between the two of them is that yeah. Costner like thinks about baseball so much that all he would want is like that extra time at the league again. And he's up against this guy who like can't even appreciate that he has a shot or yeah, see that you, he has a shot. You get the moment where when nuke does get called up and he goes to tell Costner and they're in the bar of some guy that apparently was also like a minor league legend, but like nobody knows who he is except for Kevin Costner. But like, yeah, the movie really is pushing that there is just like this great personal burdensome honor in like carrying on baseball. It's really it's something you can really only get with with baseball because there is this like industry of like underclass players that you don't have in other sports yeah you can't do like... this movie with hockey i mean there's minor league hockey but there's not this like storied history of minor league hockey in the same way yeah there's like thousands of guys professionally or semi-professionally playing baseball just like riding buses around the country Some jobbers just because they like playing baseball or like in the other big americans like basketball football the 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 cream of the crop gets separated very quickly and efficiently and the rest you know there's no outlet really for like a fourth tier football player to keep playing football till he's 35 years old yeah no one's toiling away in minor league basketball for 10 years before getting called up because they all do that except they do it in college yeah, they do. They're like thirteen years old and playing AAU basketball. And then you eat, like the the a uh, in the version of this movie for basketball is the Costner character is twenty three. He's a guy who's like graduated college but didn't make it into the league, right? Yeah, yeah, a full decade younger. But yeah, there's this um, yeah, there there's an honor to his character, and that's what he carries it with. And like the Robin's character disrespects that he comes into the bar and he's like let's get out of this dump and Costner's like don't you know who this is like next to me the guy who owns the bar is a minor league legend that you don't know because you're some kid who doesn't know the history of the game yeah he says too like 
this guy hit like 376 for a season and that's good in any league like there's this idea that like you know if you if you're going in and doing your job well it doesn't really matter at what level you're doing like that's worthy of of respect i think baseball has like a jobber type feel that other sports don't too just because you play like fucking thousand games like you actually go to work every day and play your game yeah and what he's expressing here is like you know the only difference between you and this guy is you got the call right like he he could have had a year like you or he did he had a year better than you or whatever and like he he didn't get called up you did Right. You're you're lucky. You need to appreciate it. What he's hammering home is like we're not we can't just go celebrate this because like you need to understand how lucky you are for the opportunity you've been given. Like you're you're wasting it mentally right now by not appreciating how lucky you are to be as far as you are in the game. Yeah, there's like a sadness too, where like you know Costner does like he does want to help him, and he knows to an extent that if he were to somehow make nuke like him it wouldn't be helpful like he tells him that he has to be like scared and arrogant and like even when he's losing he has to keep being arrogant even though that's like not how he would act he knows that like it's important for his success for him to act like that yeah i think like coster's character crash like recognizes what in him has kept him in the minors and Mm. how to act in a way that would keep someone in the majors. Yeah. And like you get, uh, they put a nice little button on it. I think I can't remember if it's Sarandon or Costner that says it. Um, but one of them says that, uh, the world is made for those not cursed with self-awareness that like there is some like great, uh, value or like a, a road to success. If you, aren't like constantly in your own head examining your own faults that was uh, i think sarandon said it but yeah that's like a three line of the movie is this idea of if you overthink it you will play poorly this happens not just with the robbins character but we get moments i really love we haven't talked about yet kevin costner's uh inner monologue when he goes up to bat yeah uh which i love and in both cases it's him being like like i need to stop thinking and just hit the ball there there's one where he he's like he's caught up on annie and he's just like, I got to stop thinking about this chick. Like, I'm, I can't hit. And that's when he goes and he, he like, chews out the, the, the bat boy specifically mm-hmm. because he's in his head about Annie. Can't get out of his head about Annie. And the kid's like, you can hit it. And he's like, shut the fuck up, kid. Like, <laughs> find the bat. Up. Uh, there's, yeah, there's this idea of, like, it's, it's don't think it, feel it. It's, it's uh, you know, the kind of advice that Maverick would give you. Yeah, it's the advice that Kevin Nealon's giving to Happy Gilmore when he's putting <laughs> This is a tr- I think this is the first movie with this theme in it we've covered so far, but it's so common in the kinds of movies we'll keep covering of like, don't think thinking is, is going to get in your way of doing your cool guy job. Yeah, I think we also haven't really like gotten into much that's explicitly dealing with. I feel like it's a very dad core thing. If you like, you know, talent, it's good. But like, if you just work hard, there's there's something in life for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like Costner's character he, crash doesn't like, he doesn't get nothing out of this. Right. No, he gets the fucking a, a Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. Huh. 
What more do you and need? She's so hot in this. God damn. It is. She is. Um, yeah, the movie is uh, very hot for her, too. Like, there's a scene where she's trying to seduce Robin. She, like, puts her leg up in front of him. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, undo my uh, my stockings. Let's go. And he's like, you're yeah. trying to. He's like catching on, but in like the dumbest guy way possible. Like, it's like, wait a minute, you're trying to seduce me. Susan He's like, Super no, it's not my garter. It's a hand-eye coordination thing, <laughs> which they call back to when she hooks up with Kevin Costner. He like snaps her her clothes off immediately, effortlessly, and she's like, ooh, this is a man. Very nice. Yeah, they do have a very long love making scene. Yeah, that was uh, a surprise. Because, like, the <laughs> end of the movie, like, Costner, he, he loses his job, but then he goes to Sarandon and is like, I'm, hey, we're together now. And they just have sex for, like, six minutes straight. Yeah. In a lot of different ways. Well, she's free now because Nuke is gone, so her one player a year thing is broken. Crash has been fired because he's you know served his job at the club of ushering this pitcher to the to the bigs what a cruel firing too they like they tell him like well now that nuke is gone we don't really need you anymore yeah we're gonna bring up a young catcher even though like every in the like long montage of games it seems like he's playing really well the whole time even at bat Uh, it's sad too that uh, a, a nice little touch that the the manager has the same exact little spiel that he gives when he has to fire someone. I thought that was nice. Yeah, they, he fires a guy earlier in the movie, and then he like does the exact thing to Costner. And I I love what that allows them to do when they have Costner's firing because Costner comes through the door. They tell him to close the door, and since you as the audience knows what's coming, you can watch Costner's performance because you're not yeah. guessing and. You can watch, like, it's a really good performance from him. You watch his face realize, like, I'm being fired. He, he closes the door. And then the rest of the scene is, like, close up on his face. And I just thought, like, his, his like, facial acting in that scene is just fantastic. He looks so broken. Yeah. He's hot, too, though. Mm-hmm. They fire him. He's, like, dripping wet wearing a little towel. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot no, of locker room he, stuff in this movie. He's... He's really fucking good in this. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole movie really is propped up on his, the shoulders of his performance. Him and Sarandon and and Robbins. Yeah, I think Robbins is so. He's fun. good. His, his character is like so one note. Mm-hmm. I'm not really like sure what anyone else could have done. Like, he plays it really well. It's just like a airhead. Yeah, he's a himbo. I, I, it's one of those things where I think his performance elevates a shallow character. Because he is yeah. so, he is very very funny in it. Yeah, it's almost like a, I kept watching this, thinking uh, it's almost like a John C. Riley character. Yeah, I could see that. Man, that'd be very funny. I mean, yeah, he is really funny in his own his own right. He's just constantly wanting to have sex too. Yeah, I mean, this movie is about uh, Robbins who fucks and Costner who's smart, and it's it's the battle of of the brains versus um the arms, sex arms. would be balls 
The brains versus the balls. Guy who thinks with his head and guy who thinks with his uh, other head. His little his little head of the little guy that lives on the back of his head. <laughs> He's Voldemort. <laughs> uh there's also a great scene before uh before Robbins leaves the movie. Um, or he doesn't leave entirely, but before he leaves uh, the minor leagues, when he goes to tell Sarandon that he's like got he got called up, he brings his dad. Yeah. And like he like brings his dad to be like, hey dad, here's the girl I have sex with. Also, yeah. I'm gonna go in the other room and have sex with her. Yeah. Because he calls her into the other room. He's like, he's like, well, my dad's in the other room. Like, we can just have like a quickie right now. Like, just have sex and have my have sex with my dad in the other room. Let's just go. Yeah. My dad, dad likes to, your, to watch. To your fuck buddy's house. And then his dad's like, we should pray together. And she's like, no. <laughs> no thanks. No thanks. We're not going to pray. We're going to fuck in the other room. He gets the call to go to the big leagues at her house. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, he came over just to introduce his dad to his fuck buddy. That's right. Yeah. that I mean, that's another thing that makes this movie come off as so sexy. Is that there's no, like... No one's hiding anything. Like everything everyone's doing is just like mm-hmm. all out in the open and everyone's cool with it. Everyone's and, just like, oh yeah, Susan Sarandon, that's what she does every year. She fucks some guy. Like that's the way it is. Yeah, when uh when Robbins gets picked, he goes he goes like he's back at the the clubhouse the next day and like the coach is like, Oh, congratulations. So is she as good as everyone says? Like it's just an it's just an open thing of like, oh yeah, no, Annie has a new boyfriend every season. Uh, everyone loves her she's wonderful and she gives the best like i love that like the runner with her is that she gives like actually the best advice on playing the game yeah that's super funny that she has all of her like weird mumbo jumbo that she talks but then she's also like oh yeah you're throwing your hips out on your swing and like you're not following through with your back on your pitch and the coach mechanical expert the coach is like yeah if she says you're you know your hips too far out like it is like if she's the one that would know What's it? Not me, the coach. She would know what you're doing wrong out there. Uh huh. Man, when she sends a little kid to give Kevin Costner a note (laughs) saying that he's throwing his hips out when he swings, and he just writes on the back of it, "Let's fuck," and gives it to the little kid. He writes it in as big letters as possible and says, "Hey, kid, this is a personal (laughs) note. Don't look at it." (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, so good. This is also the first time that I've ever thought of Kevin Costner as being like a sexy guy. But I mean, he was he was one of people's sexiest men of the year in 1988 or 87. Him and Sarandon are like a great pairing of like hot 80s people. Yeah, it's really funny. Like I was saying earlier, it's like so obvious that they're the two with chemistry that they end up together. But in real life. It was her and Tim Robbins that were together for a super long time. It's it's really it is really funny when like real life partners who clearly have chemistry if they're going to stay together that long, right? Like in real life, just don't click on screen mm-hmm. the way that they do in real life. Yeah, it's funny that uh, Robbins and uh, Sarandon are both like super lefty, like goobers that people get mad at all the time uh for their like very vocal left-wing political stances and costner is just like (laughs) fucking like goofball libertarian conservative Uh, i was thinking about this a lot actually i almost forgot to bring that up so i'm glad you mentioned it because it's so interesting that him and sarandon are the pairing 
of this movie and that they have mm. such great chemistry. Like when they start getting together in the movies, it's incredible. It's lightning. Um, it's electric. But like in real life, I think Costner's like a, I think he's like a, he's actually like a liberal in real life. Yeah. He like campaigned for Buttigieg and yeah. Know, wasn't he like, like an Obama guy? He was an Obama yeah, guy. So like, he's like a typical Hollywood liberal, but he has he over a- the course of his career, especially since the nineties, specifically crafted in an image uh that targets him toward like middle america like the midwest like the great plains like he is your average like middle of the road voter kind of conservative values not quite a conservative in the like you know reagan sense of conservatism but in the like i am he does roles that harken back to like the good old days in a broad sense and he's crafted yeah. this like american tradition american values image in like his career Whereas like Susan Sarandon has crafted literally like as left wing an image <laughs> as you can imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, Costner was a huge Reagan guy. Mm-hmm. He was like personally friends with him and stuff. Yeah. So like, I it's, think he, it's he has softened for sure. They're like, uh, like sh- Susan Sarandon would never do a show like Yellowstone. Yeah. And like <laughs> the character on not. Yellowstone is not like who Costner is in real life. But like it's the image he's crafted is so opposite of his lead in this movie. It's it's an interesting. It's interesting that at one point they were at a trajectory where they could both star in the same movie, mm-hmm. and now they could not have like different careers. Man, if they if Costner announced that Sarandon was going to be in the next season of Yellowstone, Ooh. people's brains would fry. I would people be would go fucking crazy. <laughs> Personally, as a per- as someone who loves Sarandon and like her politics and loves Yellowstone, I would be the most excited person in the world if Sarandon got added. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. Bring I... her in to play his like. Give him a new wife, and it's Sarandon. Oh. <laughs> oh my. She should have played the pro. So there's a protester in season four who's like a left wing, very like a social justice warrior, talking about how like ranches are bad for the environment kind of character mm-hmm. who like he feuds with and then has sex with and comes to an understanding that they both are climate doomers and nice. agree on like overreach of police even though they're coming from like one guy from like a libertarian perspective and one girl from like a far left progressive perspective i'm Hell like yeah. what if sarandon had played that chick uh Ooh. instead of it being someone field, half uh, costner's age <laughs> uh incredible man i saw um at some point this movie was supposed to screen at like the baseball hall of fame or some shit but the guy that runs it pulled it because at the time robinson sarandon were like hugely anti-iraq war Mm. and they were like wouldn't shut up about uh telling people how much the iraq war sucked and uh costner was like Hey, you know, I don't feel the same way, but I think what they're doing is really brave. Really, he's just like a a free speech guy. I think that uh, like plays into his like his dad coreness. I think his personal politics are probably extremely close to like your average middle American white boomer dad. Yeah, like uh, you mean impenetrable and impossible to understand because they don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who would say that they're uh 
you know, fiscally liberal, socially conservative, but haven't really like ever thought about what that <laughs> would actually mean or look like. Isn't fiscally liberal, socially conservative a 30 rock joke? Oh yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. It, uh, the very next year though, Costner's in another like classic baseball movie, Field of Dreams, where he's playing like a liberal guy. Which is pretty crazy to me that he went back to back on the baseball movies with two fucking heaters. Maybe the two best. Two of the best. I'm going to go out. I'm going to stamp it down and say that Bull Durham is the best baseball movie. Okay. For I'll, me. I'll allow it. It like watching it. I was just like, man, baseball fucking rules. Mm-hmm. Baseball rocks. <laughs> baseball so i was like man i should go see my minor league baseball team i need to go see the gwinnett braves play yeah i should go see a columbus clippers game drink some beer Ooh. outside and watch some baseball you know value for money minor league baseball you cannot beat it oh yeah mm. man god i need to get some buddies together and go on like a on the cheap beer night oh now I'm, gotta, excited. I'm excited about summer baseball. Yeah, I mean, Braves have won like 13 straight games, so I'm also feeling super just high generally on baseball. This movie hit at a good a good time for me. Uh, I I really like that Susan Sarandon. It it opens with her uh with her own score sheet at the game. I don't know if you've ever seen the types of people that uh, keep their own scorecards at baseball games, but they don't look like Susan Sarandon, like a six-year-old man with big uh, radio headphones with like a two-foot antenna sticking out, listening to the radio broadcast, keeping his own score sheet alone at the baseball game. What is uh, what is the point of your own score sheet? You know, it's just something to, to do. I guess back then when you couldn't look up the score afterward quite as easily, it made sense. I mean, people still do it now just to, like, keep track of the game. I think uh, you can also decide what is and isn't an error when you're keeping your own mm-hmm. score. That's different from mm-hmm. what the official score sheet is. And I guess I'm not much of a, of a baseball watcher. Yeah, I mean, it's not something normal people do. You go, I'm start doing that at hockey games. Have like a whole fucking file cabinet full of old baseball game scorecards. Maybe I want to look up what they did in like game six uh, in 1973. Just have that filed away in the garage somewhere. Pull it out. What do my grandkids ask about it someday? <laughs> Some regular season game from 40 years ago. <laughs> Grandpa, what happened at the game on June 7th? Tell you exactly what happened. 1986. I like that the movie let Costner get his record. Mm-hmm. He got his little thing. Yeah, he gets he has that little sexy scene with Sarandon, and then he leaves her. <laughs> they have like sex for three days, and then he leaves her to go play ball again at another state. And he gets like yeah. his one extra home run he needs, and then he quits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that it ends. It almost feels kind of tragic to me that uh, he is considering becoming a manager. It's like, dude, 
it's over just stop like mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's I, I i know it's supposed to be like kind of hopeful that he like still has an end to this game that he loves so much but there's also this like note in it of like man this thing that he loves so much that does not love him back is just gonna keep pulling him back into it and never let him escape and it doesn't end with him getting them <laughs> it doesn't end with him getting the job as manager it ends with him He's, considering it yeah like considering applying not considering taking it because he hasn't been given it or anything it's like he asks her do you think you know do you think i can make it to the to the show as a manager she's like yeah i believe in you like that's the ending it's it's this like he has hope but the movie doesn't like give him a win it it is it is very much the movie ends with him closing a chapter in his life the chapter that he cares so much about the chapter of crash the baseball player is over crash the minor league coach might begin yeah but right now he just wants a break he just wants to do nothing and i say keep doing that keep doing nothing forever my man what else is there to do susan sarandon that's right yeah man i was like i really had it in my head that there was a bunch of naked susan sarandon Mm -hmm. in this movie and i was like hyper vigilant you just want (laughs) to look out for that your your child your mind as a child ran wild what you wanted to be in the movie yeah dirty dirty little boy mind had constructed a completely separate movie you had you had tim robbins head when you when you saw it last and now you're watching with costner's mind that's the the trajectory i used to be the robbins but now i am the costner well, the Costner is the one that, you know, he knows what a lady likes. He does. He, uh... I think, well, like, a thing that makes it so sexy, even though there isn't a lot of nudity, the way they have Sarandon styled, it really feels like her clothes could just fall off of her at any minute. Mm-hmm. She's, like, so loosely draped with stuff hanging off of her. She got such a great look at the, uh, at the batting cages, she has like a, I think it's a sweater or just a loose t-shirt. Like off the shoulder? Where it's like off the sho- hanging shoulder, which is like a real 80s style, but she's, yeah. ro- there's some extra energy she's bringing to it being, I think she was late 30s in this movie, something like that. Because she is, she is older than our, than our, than our main cast. Um, she brings us like, like mature energy to this like very free flowing, uh, sexy young person outfit. Mm-hmm. The way Tim Robbins is styled is so funny to me too, because he's always wearing like, uh, like dress pants and a blazer, but with like a band T-shirt mm-hmm. under it. It's yeah, like he how wears, a little kid uh, would dress fancy. Led Zeppelin at one point, I believe. Uh, he talks about Motley Crue at the end. Of he the had movie. a Motley Crue shirt at one point. Yeah, he he compares someone to a Motley Crue song. Yeah, as like a pickup line. As he's reciting all of the cliches that. Costner made him memorize for one. Oh yeah, yeah, because the ending of his story is he's finally smarted up and is like repeating the interview lines that Kaz gave him. Yeah. He gets just smart enough to know that he's dumb. Which is beautiful. That's all we can hope for. But not smart enough to know not to hit on the reporter with motley crew lines. Yeah. Is that name Greek? It's beautiful. (laughs) And then Costner just has like 
the biggest billowiest clothes possible. <laughs> so like a two XL button down shirt tucked into his pants. Well, you know they can't. They got to save it for the few moments where he goes shirtless in the clubhouse. You go, whoa. Yeah, they cover him up so the reveal is more drastic. Uh But like speaking of like the the, you're saying like the sexiness of the movie is kind of like heightened in implication. I think like the hottest part of this movie is like Costner feeds Sarandon cereal like before their whole like montage of having a bunch of sex kicks off. He's eating cereal. She's eating. I forget what she's eating. Something. Some breakfast food. And he like eats her cereal. And then like that turns around. She has to have sex and they have sex on the kitchen table. She has him to dance and they do it on the kitchen table. I'm like, I'm like him feeding her cereal has so much like raw, like energy between them. They have such great, like scene, like chemistry on screen that like that moment is like, that is like an, that is incredibly like a sexy moment, like more than even just like showing like an explicit sex scene between them. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to come off like super horny or whatever, but like that, the movie is a horny ass movie. Yeah, like, yeah I'm not. This is not a horny podcast, but it, it with this movie, it's this movie is about sex. Yeah, like I feel like we might be, you know, ex- expanding our uh, our limits here a little bit. Like it is, it's definitely a a dad movie because it's about baseball and it has like so many good baseball lines. It's so fucking quotable, but like, I don't know. It'd be a weird one maybe to watch with your parents. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. Yeah. But I'm sure my, I'm, I don't even know if my, I don't know if my dad's ever mentioned this, movie, but my mom likes it because she likes Susan Sarandon. Oh, she does. Cause a lot of moms do not like Susan Sarandon. There's a, Susan Sarandon and Jane Fonda, if you're around certain boomer or older age parents, they will melt the fuck down if you say that you like them. It's funny that people still melt down about Jane Fonda. Yeah, it rocks. It must eat at those people, too, that they're both so hot. (laughs) And, like, still are today. Yeah, they, like, both look so good. I was talking to a friend about, uh, about this movie today. Um, and he was like, yeah, Sarandon used to be something of a heartthrob at some point. I'm like, I don't know if she stopped. Yeah. I mean, any, like whenever she posts on Twitter, half of the responses are like, you're the reason Trump is president. You should die. And the other half are like, wow, she's still so hot. (laughs) That's heaven and hell, baby. Yeah. It's like half people like outside of their minds thinking that she somehow like swung the election and half like out of their minds horny for this old lady. What's uh, another interesting thing about like her screen presence is she. It's interesting to have a sports movie where the older person and the partner is the woman mm-hmm. and the like any movie, really any movie, I guess. Yeah. And like a, a romance of a sort where like the, um, person initiating is the woman character, not the guy chasing. It's it's Sarandon chasing the guys in this movie. She is the one in control of the two relationships she has in this movie. She is the one who leads. She is the one in control. She is the one who chooses 
like who she's dating. It's actually in the their first scene uh, where she's picking between the two of them. Costner sitting on her couch going, why do you pick? Why don't I pick? Why doesn't he pick? Like, why do you mm-hmm. get to pick who you go out with? And she's like, because I do. Like, I'm the one in charge. It's such an interesting thing. And I think, like, that's just part of, like, Sarandon. She she has this, like, mature energy to her. Like, this, she has a very mature screen presence where she, even though she's not, like, old in this movie, she always, like, feels older than she is. She's uh, She was, like, 40 when she made this, I think. I guess actually she's older than I thought she would be. Anyway, but she was like 40, and it's like she gets to play the like you said earlier before you said I think she's just kind of like the cougar. Like she it's interesting that she gets to play like the hot older woman, which a not a lot of Hollywood stars get to do that, not to mention for as long as like she got to do that in her career. Yeah, and that that's not like what the movie is about. Mm. Like I feel like any other movie where like an older woman is kind of like schooling a younger man on like the ways of sex mm-hmm. that is like the movie like the fact that it's just like an element of this mm-hmm. it's cool and then yeah, it's it, not like the age gap isn't so big that you're like weirded out or put off like by it years. like yeah you don't really even think about it she it's not that she's older she's just like more experienced and mm-hmm. smarter and like the fact that she is older than the male stars that she's courting in the movie that you said, it's not a focus of the film. The film's not about, Oh, it's a relationship between an older woman and a a younger man. It's like they're they're, The age gap does not come up even with like baby face, Tim Robbins. He's like, no, I'm like the luckiest man in the world because she's paying attention to me. Like Mm -hmm. she is like, she is the hottest woman ever. I like, I need her attention right now, even though I'm like young, hot celebrity. Like there, there is never a question of, wait, is she like, is this, is she like older than these guys? No, it's just like, that is just the role. It's just, it's, it's a, uh, it's very nonchalant about it. Right. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just there, which is yeah. interesting. It's just like that she gets to play a role like that without it becoming the point of the role. Yeah. She kills it. You know, just like going through the plot didn't. Really, it's just like a a series of games and mm-hmm. sex stuff. There's not much of a plot, really, right? Because like the games don't matter on their own; they matter in what they mean for the characters. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like the plot of the movie is not baseball. The plot of the movie is the career of Nuke, the career of um crash and annie's really and like also the relationships with annie like it's not about hey the narrative of the game right it's about so like there's something perfunctory to the games not that they're unimportant to the movie but like it's not like there's a lot of uh drama about like the matches themselves Right. There's not that like, wow, is he going to make this pitch? Like, are we going to pull him in? Hey, the the moment when Wild Thing comes on in, a, in, in Major League, which is huge. It's like, oh, the game's turning because we bring in our star pitcher. Uh, that doesn't have, there's not like a, there's not game drama on this beyond the care. Hey, does Nuke learn to listen to his catcher? Yeah, you don't even get like, uh, I feel like another version of this movie they would have when he, when, crash goes out to his other team to get his last home run i like where he's his like inner 
monologue in the in the batter's box and like getting his last home run but it's just like played as such a minor thing like sarandon says that he does it in voiceover and you get like one shot of him swinging the bat so like i don't know it it feels like such a baseball movie just because the movie treats baseball so lovingly i don't it, it's it's really strange it feels like the game itself like it feels like a good representation of baseball in that like you do have these like big moments but most of baseball is just like kind of casually happening in the background while you're doing something else it's a relaxed it's like the most relaxed game i feel yeah. like that's why it's you cool take to a notch mm. the seventh inning yawn the seventh inning nap yeah there's something like really relaxed about the movie uh like when I say that the the games don't have a lot of inherent drama to them, it's not really a knock against it. That's like no, it's, it's the joy paced, of the movie. It's, it's a it's a it, light, breezy watch. It's paced like a baseball game. Yeah, like a regular season game. Like a lot of sports movies have playoff energy. This is the rare one that just has like a minor league energy. Yeah, a a Sunday day game energy like energy. This is the game that like your work gives you free tickets to because they were cheap and they could buy them for every employee. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's important in a larger context, but you're not going to see something that day that wins anyone anything. Yeah, the minor leagues aren't about like the careers of the teams. It's about the careers of the players, the lives of the individual players. And can they make it out of it? Are they stuck there forever? The guys who were stuck there, what happens when eventually they get squeezed out? That is minor league ball. It's meat grinder. Hey, meat. 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 He calls he calls him meat a lot. He calls everyone meat in that movie. Yeah, they're all just meat to him. Yeah. I like when uh Tim Robbins is like, why is he calling me meat? I'm like real dumb guy, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nuke. Why is he keep calling me meat? Call me Nuke. Oh man, what's his character's real name? Ebby? Ebby La- Ebby LaRouche? Yeah, Ebby La- Ebby Lelouch. Ebby Calvin Lelouch. So he needs a nickname because his name's too long. Yeah, there's I didn't understand that when they were like, Ebby Calvin Lelouch, you need a nickname. I was like, what the fuck? That name rocks. Your name's <laughs> Ebby Lelouch? <laughs> what the fuck? They're like, fuck you, get a nickname, kid. Maybe it's just because everyone has a nickname in baseball. They used to. I feel like we're lacking. Mm. We've fallen behind in the good bring nicknames. Back nicknames. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna compose a, a list of uh, soulful, soulful jock movies. How many Costner movies make the list? I mean, this one and Field of Dreams definitely both Tin do. Tin Cup. Yeah, I haven't seen that. In the a jock, while. the jock with the heart of a poet. Is what I'm at. That's how I like to think of myself. <laughs> so this podcast is a love letter to Jock with the Heart of a Poet. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Christian guy marries the uh, the girl that sleeps with everyone. We we didn't mention so, that. Yeah, they. Uh, I really. That's a really funny bit where she's like, "Hey," she's like asking him how, and he's like, "Hey, are you Christian? Do you want to?" <laughs> 
do you want to hear me talk to you about the Bible? And she was like, I'll t- you can talk to me about anything. And then <laughs> apparently on. they talked for five hours and got engaged. Yeah. Good for them. Man. Yeah. I like the scene where everyone uh, meets on the mound and they mm-hmm. first meet because uh, nukes in his head and he can't like get, he can't pitch right. He can't get out of his head. Um, and then like the one dude comes up to my, he's like, my, my mitts curse. Don't hit any balls <laughs> my way. Cursed. And then other, other people come up and they just start talking about the wedding and how they don't know what to get anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The coach comes out and he's like, what's the problem? And he's like, well, we're dealing with this ancient Aztec curse. Uh, we don't know what to get for his wedding. And he's just like, well, uh, candlesticks always make a nice wedding gift. So, uh, you know, let's get back out there and <laughs> play the game. Good coach answer. I'll answer the easy one. Hope you don't notice I didn't answer the hard questions. Mm, classic classic move i have a question about baseball what's the difference between what's a single a team what's a so i don't know if this is teams how it was structured in the 80s but currently there's there's like the majors the step directly beneath that is triple a and then beneath that is double a and then there's single a and high a beneath that so like in uh in the movie nuke gets called up from single a like the lowest minor league tier to the major leagues which is Mm. pretty crazy (laughs) it's wild and yeah i don't think there are too many uh crashes out there that are playing single a ball 12 years into their career i think most people quit at that point i think that's why he quits at the end yeah after he gets fired he goes he goes and plays one like a few games at some random team, the mm-hmm. Asheville tourists. And then he, uh, then he quits. I'm like, I think it makes sense. Why would you, your, your choices were to play single A ball 12 years into your career or, or just quit. Yeah. Well, like I don't, the, the whole minor league thing is really interesting to me because like you can get to, they, there's players that like some people refer to as four a like where they're good enough to be really, really good at triple a, but not really good enough to play in the majors. Mm -hmm. And then you just like, you end up, you end up being in the minor leagues and around baseball for a long time, never getting to the pros, but like becoming middle-aged, not really having any skills except for playing baseball. So you just like kind of have to stay in the game in some capacity because like, yeah, I don't know. You didn't go to college or whatever. You don't like you didn't the learn only a trade. You know. Yeah, you're just like a 32 year old guy that can hit a baseball. Yeah, what would he do if he didn't try to become a manager next? Like, what's he got? What's he got to offer? Yeah, I don't know. Coach high school baseball. <laughs> he seems well read, educated guy. Yeah, I don't know. They're in Durham, North Carolina. I don't know what there is to do there. There's a bunch of colleges. Yeah, you can go work one of the three colleges that are there. Man, the wedding cake they give the super Christian guy has, like, people fucking on the top of it. At least they're fucking missionary. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it's respectful. Holy, even. At least he didn't do it. Do- At least it wasn't doggy. That would be offensive. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I don't have much more. I mean, it's just a, it's just a pleasant, fun 
baseball movie. It, it, it loves the game. You can feel the love of everyone who made this movie, their love of baseball, um, like oozing out onto the screen. You believe the lead characters. I mean, they're, they're all, the lead characters are the only ones that are given enough time for you to believe them to any degree, but like Costner Sarandon, uh, like Robbins, they feel like it's really like fully realized performance. And even though Robbins is sort of like the most one note character in the movie, especially Costner and Sarandon feel like really, they feel like real people. And this feels like a real lived in world. And it's just like, there's so much love of the game on screen at all times. It's, it's a wonderful little movie. It's also interestingly way raunchier than I expected. It's a very, it's a cool movie or like a hard R like rated R sex comedy. That is also a baseball movie is wild to me. Yeah. That's Not like making this today. Perfect recipe for a movie. I, like it, I, I, I was really, really high on this coming off of it. I think it's almost like a perfect screenplay and like some really good performances and everything else in the movie is kind of just like carried along based on the strength of mm-hmm. those two things. Um, but yeah, it, it's the best kind of sports movie in that it's not just using the structure of the sport to like deliver drama to you. It's just kind of like flavored by baseball more than it's like about baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, w- I was really in love with this. When we announced the episode, someone said in reply to our post um, that unlike other sports movies, Bull Durham's about the sport as players see it. And having watched it, like that made a lot of, like that clicked for me. I kept thinking about it while watching it. I'm like, this this is like 100%. This movie is about the players, not the team, which yeah. is like rare for me when I watch a sports movie is to see like a sports movie that's like, this is about the individual players. Um to the point that like the team is incredibly decentralized on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they're like, they, they keep giving you updates on the team, but it's not nearly as centered in the movie as the relationships of our, of our trio of leads. Right. Yeah. No, it, I think that, uh, yeah, it's really accurate. It doesn't really care that much about like the spectacle of baseball as much as it cares about just like, what it's like for a guy whose job is baseball to get up and go to work. It's a love letter to the end of, to like the, to the player. And it makes so much sense that they would make that love letter to the player at one of the lowest levels a player could work that like, you have to be in it for the game to be crash doing this 12 years in and mm-hmm. begrudgingly. Cause he's mad when he gets demoted begrudgingly playing single a ball. Yeah, it's nice too watching it now, um, because it like reinforces all the fucking weirdo voodoo baseball stuff that kind of gets lost in like the modern baseball fan that's like really into a bunch of stats and numbers and stuff. It, it's easy to lose touch with like that. All these guys are just like freak like weirdo the weirdest jocks i think i think baseball guys are like the kookiest of the different varieties of jocks that like it, it was nice tapping back into that living in in the moneyball era 
you know, there's no room for a bunch of superstition when you can uh, put into numbers. Yeah. What your success is coming from. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now you, you don't wear, uh, you know, women's garters to get better at baseball. You like fucking uh, have a computer calculate the spin rate on your fastball and like how to move your fingers an inch differently to get a better uh, fucking drop on your hold ball or the whatever. ball like an the ball's an egg yeah hold it like an egg but That's, don't let them scramble it you don't yeah you don't need sports science when you have wisdom like that uh, actually it just reminded me of, of something we didn't cover which was like this little note in the middle of the movie of the homophobia in baseball mm. of these jocks yeah of like he uh nuke has to wear this lingerie that he's been given by sarandon because it'll something something it, it'll throw off his mind a little bit so he'll be thinking about the underwear and not about the game so he'll throw more clear-headed and he's up he's on the pitcher's mound and he's saying in his like inner monologue um wondering if this like makes him gay yeah there's a there's a part too where like costner sees him doing it and he's like oh yeah you know whatever you got him on backwards or whatever but then later when he's talking to sarandon he's like what are you doing to him you got him dressing all fruity yeah dressing like a fruit he says yeah and then a little bit later he calls the he calls the ump a cocksucker he does that's the one thing you can't call the campfire he he says it's a cocksucking call and the ump is like hmm did you call me a cocksucker no, I didn't. Hey, you can't say that. I can say that. Mm. Getting you, I'm getting Charlie's canceled. Everybody. Yeah, I got you. I got you. This is my trap. I trapped you to say it into a mic. I got you to say it in a mic. Now the it's my C. podcast. My podcast alone. I'm just being yanked off by a big <laughs> striped big, cane. Uh, listeners can't see this, but a giant cane just came in and pulled uh, <laughs> Charlie off. The floor just dropped out of call. my room. <laughs> but no, it's a. Uh, yeah, there's it's it's a it's a it's a little bit of notes in this movie. It doesn't like bother me. Sometimes like homophobia in old movies can get to me, um, and it's just something you have to like ignore. It doesn't bother me as much here, uh, because the Tim Robbins note just feels like it's about his insecurity about mm-hmm. wearing the garters, and so it's just like a dumb guy thing. The Costner stuff does bother because his character is clearly homophobic, just like actually yeah. homophobic. Um, but he's also an asshole, so it doesn't bother. I guess it doesn't bother me that much. But it is like oh, an, yeah. it is something I wanted to bring up. Of like, there is this element of like homophobia that is just like a casual thing in this in in this film in a, right. in a handful of scenes. Yeah, it places it in the era, I guess. Yeah, it's the kind of I thing mean, like I don't think you would put. You could do the Tim Robbins joke of him wondering like I'm st- I'm like. I'm still a cool straight guy wearing this garter, right? Like, because it's like, it's about insecurity, but I don't know and if he's he, just like, like so dumb. Yeah. It comes off like this is dumb guy insecurity, but like the Costner homophobia that like casual homophobia, which I'm like, is still in the locker room. I'm not saying it's not in the locker room, but like, I'm it's, it's an interesting like relic of this movie being from 1988. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty out of pocket too, for a guy that says that he believes in the cock earlier in the movie cock and the pussy clearly doesn't believe in the cock that much 
He doesn't. He yeah. He doesn't believe in the small of a man's back. He does believe Lee Harvey Oswald walked acted alone though, which little uh tie that to JFK. Yeah, a little foreshadowing. He changes his mind on that later. You don't realize it's the same character actually. Yeah, JFK. He held on to the homophobic stuff, but uh, (laughs) moved on from the single shooter theory. I haven't seen JFK, but I have heard that that character has uh, (laughs) certain biases. Yeah. You know, he's changed in some ways, not in others. You know, growth is not a, a linear path. Yeah, we uh, he's branching out in like a web. I do, for the record, think that him yelling at the ump is very funny. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a baseball shouting, like very performative, like chest bumping each other. Yeah, him getting thrown out, not because, uh, morally because he gets in like uh this like ego match with the ump where like he has to call the ump a name because the ump thinks he called a bit and he's like well if you're gonna push this i'm gonna push this all the way it's a very Mm -hmm. funny ego trip between the two of them uh yeah i think i might be giving out my first i don't know is it my first i'm I'm throwing this one five stars though uh, no we gave apes five oh right apes man how did i forget fucking apes (laughs) apes uh God, Still, if this movie had apes, six stars. That would be that would Seven be the most stars. perfect baseball movie ever made. If if Costner, man, Costner ever do an ape movie? It's not too late, Cos. Too late. Let's get it. Maybe maybe he announced he's directing a new movie. Maybe that one will have apes in it. Planet of the baseball. Planet of the ba- baseball of the apes. <laughs> baseball of the apes. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh. uh Man, yeah, Planet of the, it's a different subject entirely. Planet of the Apes, I think, is still my favorite movie we've covered on this podcast. It was a rewatch for me, so it's like cheating, but oh my god, Apes is so good. Um, apes. This movie, good too. No apes in it, so I am going to have to give it four stars instead of yeah. five. Doc the Ape Star. And Doc the, you know, the, the customary minus one for no apes. Yeah. I'm feeling generous on that front. Uh, no, I, I really loved it. Uh, I didn't love it, love it, five-star love it. Um, but it's a, it's just a great movie. It's just a great time. Movie that loves baseball and the people who dedicate their lives to it. Uh, it's just fun. More Costner next week. Yeah, we. Uh, I know I said, I think we said we are doing three Costners. I lied. I forgot we have one extra week before the end of june so we're just gonna do all costner all june pride month happy costner for pride um our fourth costner <laughs> for pride month is going to be uh <laughs> no way out 1987 movie about it's like a political thriller i haven't seen it yeah uh yeah it's like a espionage sexy espionage uh romantic thriller it's got gene hackman and sean young so that's movies that's movies that's movies so we'll join you guys next week for more cause uh until next time just keep following us you know at the places at dadcore cinema on twitter at the podcast sites where you found this one you can follow me on twitter at that one guy 64 my name is brandon And And I am Charlie the Tumboy.
at the Tumboy. Until next time, you know, join us. Same cause place, same cause time, same cause channel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.